going? Welcome to the latest episode of BAM Weekly. That's Boris and Matt Weekly, the show where we chat about sports, the show where we chat about entertainment, and then at the end of the show, we bring it all together to chat some sports entertainment. This week is a solo week. I am Boris, and I'm going to be uh, chatting everything that you need to know in terms of sports and wrestling. Uh, the reason why I'm solo is because, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Matt is going to be away for the entire week from the SNME family, from the BAM family and everything. Um, you know, I hope everything is going well with Matt, but we got the unfortunate news on Saturday night that his grandfather passed away. So he's dealing with all of that. So Matt, I uh, hope everything works out well. I hope uh, you're okay and can't wait to have you back next week on all the podcasts. Uh, so with that said, you know, this week we do have a very busy week as I'm going to be chatting all things NFL Week 9, the MLB World Series, the MLS Cup, which both of those finals featured Philadelphia teams. Let's see how they fared. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit entertainment, no Matt, so I get to talk some footy, some soccer, uh, I'm joking, we were going to talk about this regardless, um, I want to be talking about the documentary, Welcome to Wrexham, uh, great show, great show, spoiler alert, I loved it, but I'm going to be talking about that a little later, then on the wrestling side, I'm going to be chatting some Impact, some New Japan Pro Wrestling Battle Autumn from November 5th, some Stardom Hiroshima Goddess Festival from November 3rd, uh, give you some initial reactions to the huge card that was announced over the weekend for the November 20th New Japan Pro Wrestling Stardom uh, crossover pay-per-view, and always, we're going to be chatting some Impact, so... You know, what a weekend. The weekend was insane. You know, we did end up producing a whole bunch of shows over the weekend. Uh, you know, the Smack Daddies did their usual thing, chatting all things SmackDown. Uh, they also gave an awesome preview to Crown Jewel. I took over the Rampage Ramble, chatted about the, you know, overall very entertaining Rampage show. Love those live Rampages. I hope that that's something that they can continue to do, but I know scheduling and 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 all that is difficult sometimes. Uh, but uh, you know those live rampages, there's always, there's something to be said about those live shows, in my opinion. Um, and Friday's show was one that you really should watch, especially if nothing else, for the Orange Cassidy Shibata opener with Mike Tyson on commentary. Like I said on Friday, what a fever dream! You. Two weeks ago, if you had told me, I would have seen on a Friday night Shibata versus Orange Cassidy with Mike Tyson on commentary. I would have just laughed at you. Uh, so that, that was essentially Friday. And then it's it's so weird because like I did the recording like just a little past midnight. Uh, you know, set it up. Uh, I don't like releasing too many wrestling shows or just shows in general on the Patreon stream at the same time, you know, or, or overlapping too much. So I set the timer for 11 a.m. Kind of did my own thing. Uh, I was feeling tired, but like not sleepy, if that makes sense. So kind of just chilled for a little bit. Uh, then the next thing I noticed, it's like, you know, 4 a.m. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to watch the show anyway. So I just put it on New Japan World uh, and, and, and started watching the Battle Autumn show. Next thing you know, I'm chatting with Matt at like 6.30, 7 in the morning. And at that point, I really did start feeling a little more tired, but it was in the middle of the main event. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stick this through, catch a nap before Crown Jewel. That did not 
happened. Didn't sleep. Watch Crown Jewel. Did the aftercast with Greg. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for joining me on that. And then literally like right after we finished recording, as I'm trying to scarf down some dinner, uh, also getting the podcast ready uh, for, for, for on all the feeds and all the socials so I can send like, you know, boom everyone and, and send that out. I was also getting ready because I did go to the Brennan, uh, the Arthur Caulfield uh, Memorial Show in Mississauga. Amazing time. Uh, just so proud and happy to see the Ontario indie scene contingent really coming out for that and it was just um you know a heartfelt night and i felt amazing to be part of it and the very little that we did here on snme to just give them a few minutes here and there to talk about their show um you know it made me feel awesome and 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 i know that everyone in attendance had night so i did talk to some people so if you are listening you know you awesome thank you for coming up to me uh, always a pleasure chatting if you do ever see me in an indie show or you know wherever whatever show just come say hi always love chatting with listeners uh so that was my saturday and then funny enough get home around 10 30 p.m and i was exhausted at that point fell asleep fairly quick but I was up in the middle of the night just because, yeah, that, that's how my body works. So that was the unfortunate part. But Sunday essentially was was my day, is usually my day of rest. And yesterday was no different. Uh, really just, you know, took it very tranquilo. Uh, but I did make it out to the Mississauga Flea Festival for THT, the handshaking team's friend of the of the show. Uh, they, they had their storefront at the Mississauga Flea Market, uh, and it was an awesome time. Spent some time with them, and, you know, perfect way to just cap a wrestling-filled weekend. And here we are, Monday morning, doing my work, doing my thing, sending emails, chatting uh, some sports, entertainment, and wrestling. Uh, So no better way to start the week. All right, you know, without further ado, let's just get into the sports side of stuff because uh, that's what you're here to listen to you're not listening to uh you're not here to listen to me ramble on my own so let's uh get to things while we can all right so as always we are going to start things with a nfl review uh we are already in week nine we're just past halfway point of the season and what a week it was in the world of the nfl uh yeah, like the, things are just crazy this season. Like if you had told me a little while ago that the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets were literally breathing down the neck of the Buffalo Bills, I would have just laughed at you. Uh, it just it's just absolutely insane when you really start taking a look at stuff. Uh, so let's talk about some some things that happened through the week. So I think the one of the biggest news of the weekend of Sunday was the fact that it's safe to say that Tom Brady had a very good comeback game. Brady Magic was back. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams falling to the Buccaneers, 16-13. to Buccaneers won that game. Tom Brady is back. You know, he must have felt fantastic with this win. Uh, 100,000 passing yards for Tom Brady, just an in, in insane feat. Um, he accomplished this on a 15-yard pass to Leonard Fournette in the fourth quarter just amazing so good for him um so you know the reality here is that it really doesn't look like the rams are going to be making the playoffs crazy to think 
the reigning defending Super Bowl champions likely are not going to be making the playoffs. Crazy, crazy times in the NFL. And Tampa Bay, you know, it's just one game. It's just one game. But Brady looked pretty good yesterday. And let's see what the next few weeks give. Because, you know, this is a team that could easily just go on a on a huge winning streak, squeak into the playoffs. Their division is weak. So, you know, we'll see exactly what they bring. Um, so, so that's that. You know, another game uh, of interest to me was the Seahawks versus the Cardinals. The Seahawks winning that one 31-21. Crazy stuff there. Um, you know, you can never count Geno Smith out. Who would have thought that in 2022... You can just never count Geno Smith out as a quarterback who's been really able to uh, to rejuvenate and have a uh, comeback of a season. So that that's that's pretty awesome for him. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's the other games of note for me, and I called this last week. The Jets, J E T S, J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Beating the Buffalo Bills 20 to 17. I don't know why. I just had that gut feeling that the Jets were going to get it done, and that's exactly what happened. I watched bits and pieces of this game, the majority of this game, and, you know, the, the Bills looked good, but the Jets had a response to them in, at every turn. At every turn. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, so, you know, the Bills still in firm control of the division. Uh, but uh, both the Jets and the Dolphins just breathing right behind them, just just you know inching closer and closer. Uh, speaking of the Dolphins, they went over the Bears, thirty-five to thirty-two. And what you know again was watching this game at the same time as the Bills and the Jets game, and this game, the Bills and the, or the Bears and the Dolphins game was probably the best of the early games. I gotta say though. Justin Fields looked amazing. Even though his team lost, he became the first player in NFL history to rush for 140 yards and throw for three touchdowns. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? Uh, He only came up four yards short of breaking the all-time single-game rushing record for a quarterback, which Colin Kaepernick set in in the 2021, or sorry, the 2012 NFC Divisional Round, you know, Justin Fields had a hell of a game, but that just really wasn't enough to uh, to really make up for stuff. All right, the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. What honestly can you say about this game? This game was a battle of the Titans, but not the battle of the records. The Lions going over the Packers 15 to 9. What really can you say about this game? It was what it was. And, you know, the, I know calls are getting louder and louder for, for Aaron Rodgers to move aside. But that you know that's just not going to happen anytime at this point. Um, so, but we'll see what happens. It's an interesting story, to say the least. The long-term storytelling in the NFL is, is, is critical there. Uh, but we'll see what ends up happening with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, you know, and the Lonely Lions at least getting a win at some point there. You had the L.A. Chargers going over the Falcons 20-17. to um, I don't know. Both of these teams are just, are just there. You know, middle of the pack. The crazy part is this. If you look at the NFL standings, and I'm gonna bring them up real fast as as I as I kind of just uh, chat and things happen. 
I'm going to bring up the uh, the NFL rankings. So if we took a look, take a look at the NFC South. The Atlanta Falcons are in first place with a four and five record, a four 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 winning percentage. That's good enough to give you first place in the NFC South. And this is why I think that Tampa Bay is going to squeak by into the playoffs. The NFC South is so weak that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with a 3-5 and five record, 375 winning percentage, they earned second place in the NFC South. One of the teams that we're going to be seeing later on today on Monday Night Football, the New Orleans Saints, also 3-5, and five, and the Carolina Panthers are 2-7. and seven. This division, the NFC South, is just laughable at this point, and uh, it's, just, it's crazy how bad they are. Um, Minnesota... Versus Washington Commanders, sure, that was a game. Uh, the Vikings ended up beating the Commanders 20-17. to 17. Don't really have much to say, uh, you know, in, in about this game. Unfortunately, if we take a look at uh, Carolina and versus Cincinnati, again, another game that just happened. Uh, you know, taking a look at the results here, uh, we had the Bengals going over 42-20. to 20. One. Poor Panthers. Poor Panthers. The Bengals? Are they a real team? Are they good? I don't know. Hard to tell sometimes. But uh, I can tell you that uh, the Commanders are not good whatsoever. So so that kind of sucks. You know, the Bengals sitting in second place in the AFC North uh, with a 5-4 and four record just behind the Baltimore Ravens with a 5-3 and three record. Uh, you know, another game that was... Interesting to watch with the Jaguars, the All Elite Jaguars going over the Raiders, twenty-seven to twenty. Um, that was a game, right? That was a game. That was a something happened there. Don't have much to say, but let's talk about the the Sunday night game, the Titans at Chiefs. This game was pretty entertaining, to be hundred percent honest. Um, you know, I, I would I was actually shocked the fact that this game did end up going into overtime um just because like let's be honest you know the titans really had no reason to 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 be as good as they were in this game let's let's be honest here you know even though they do have a five and three record after last night's game you know it just you you would just assume that the chiefs would go raffle stomp on them yeah the titans are first place in the afc's AFC East South, but yeah, the Chiefs were just that much better, uh, but they won in overtime, beautiful overtime play, ended up with some uh, drama, with a beautiful blocked throw, um, you know, with the Chiefs blocking the throw, and that's how the game ended in overtime, so the Chiefs going 20-17 to 17 against the Titans, pretty fun game, tonight's game, Ravens at Saints. That's going to be a fun game, actually. Saints, not the best of teams this year, right? They're kind of looking a little on the weak side. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the Ravens just don't know which Ravens team is going to show up. Is it going to be the Ravens team that, you know, can, can, you know, that can actually close out a game? Or is it a Ravens team that is going to be up going into the fourth quarter and then end up losing. So that's happening today at 8.15 p.m. Eastern. Ravens at Saints. That's the Monday Nighter. Uh, so that's essentially what Week 9 had in store. But 
let's chat some Week 10 NFL while we're at it. So taking a look at the schedule, the Thursday night game is the Falcons and the Panthers. I don't know. On paper, this is going to be a snooze fest. Uh, the reality, I think it'll be a snooze fest as well. So that's the Falcons and the Panthers. We have the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. I think this game is going to be very interesting. Tom Brady versus Geno Smith. Who's going to go on top? You know what? I hate to say this just because he was in my division for so many years. But I think Tom Brady has something to prove right now. He seems to be, uh, you know, has a clearer mind now than he did just a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I think that the Buccaneers are going to go over the Seahawks on Sunday. Uh, this game is a 9.30 a.m. start. So it's one of those games where we get 14 plus hours of the NFL. Um, also on Sunday, if we take a look at the 1 p.m. games, we have the Lions and the Bears. Oh, my. Um, uh, the Bears should win this game should be the key phrase here but we'll see actually what happens uh we have the browns and the dolphins i wonder what's going to be going on at eight four uh, at the uh at the eight five four uh simply because you know we have the dolphins my team matt's team and then we have the browns uh which is one of matt's roommates teams uh the browns don't look too bad they are missing their actual starter that guy, ye who shall not be named. Um, but I do think that the Dolphins have some really good momentum. Uh, so I think the Dolphins should end up winning that game. Uh, Titans-Broncos. Titans should win this game. The Broncos are the Broncos. Let's be honest here. The Broncos, uh, somehow they managed to lose this week. And they're on a bye week, right? Like, 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 let's be honest here. So I do think that the Titans are going to end up winning this game. Uh, Bills, Vikings, you know, Bills are a good team. Coming off a loss, they have something to prove. And I do think that the Bills are going to end up beating the Vikings here. If we take a look at another game, the Texans and the Giants, you know, the Giants, they're good. The Giants are good, so I think that the Giants are going to go over the Texans. Jaguars, Chiefs, all elite Jaguars. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is just way too good. The Jaguars are just not good enough any just yet, so I think the Chiefs are going to go over in that game. The Saints and the Steelers, this is a game that can go either way, but I, in my heart of hearts, in my gut of guts, as we say here on BAM, I think the Saints are going to end up winning this one. Colts. Raiders, snooze fest galore. Honestly, this can go either way. Both teams are not showing, they're not playing well. Both teams are kind of crap if you actually uh, break it down. But I think the Raiders are going to somehow, someway, squeak by and win this game. Uh, Rams, Cardinals, you know, the Rams just are not looking good. The reigning defending Super Bowl champions are just not at all the same team that they were even a year, uh, even that they were in January, right? Uh, so the Cardinals uh, and Kyle Murray should end up going or in this game. We got the Cowboys and the Packers. Let's be honest here. The Packers are just trash. Aaron Rodgers is done, unfortunately. Awesome career, but I think it's time for him to uh, call it quits. In my personal opinion, Cowboys should easily win this game over the Packers. We then have the Chargers and the 49ers. Matt's 49er is the team that Matt think is going to make it to the Super Bowl uh, to face the Bills uh, or the Chiefs. Uh, 49ers should win this game. and That's actually the Sunday nighter, the L.A. Chargers versus San Francisco 49ers. Chargers. 
not good enough. Just not good enough. And the 49ers are just, like I say, the odds-on favorite to win the NFC. And then on the Monday, we have the undefeated Eagles versus the Commanders. Um, You know, the Eagles should continue their undefeated streak over the Commanders next Monday. One of the, the topics of discussion that I wanted to bring up with Matt was if taking a look at the Eagles schedule. You know, you're seeing on the NFL memes page on Instagram and Facebook uh, that, you know, the Eagles have had such a super easy schedule. Apparently, if you really take a look at the analytics, they apparently have the 12th hardest schedule right now in the NFL. So 12th, almost halfway there, right? But they don't have an easy schedule per se, uh, you know, on, on paper, that is. So give credit to where credit is due. Are the Eagles going to win this year? Probably not. But you know what? They're they're giving Philadelphia at least something to cheer about, and that's exactly what Philadelphia needs because Philadelphia has had a really, really rough weekend. It is now official that Philadelphia is the first city in the history of sports to lose two championships, two major sports championships, on the exact same day. And that happened this past Saturday, November 5th. Let it be known that the Philadelphia Union succumbed in an awesome MLS Cup final to LAFC. What a game that was. It, it Honestly, it ended up going to penalty kicks. The penalty kicks was very one-sided. LAFC ended up winning the penalty kicks 3-0. But the game itself, throughout you know, the 90 minutes plus 30 minutes, if my math is correct, that puts us at 120 minutes. The game was just exciting, and it went to the very end. Goal, you know, one team scored, and the other team, you know, just fought to come back. And at the end of the day, Philadelphia had the advantage, but literally within, you know, the last couple minutes, last few seconds, last fresh, you know, the, 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 the freshest of the legs were done, but... LAFC came back to tie the game 3-3 in extra time when Philadelphia was up in extra time. Just a crazy, crazy result, um, which put the game into penalty kicks. And like I mentioned, LAFC winning the penalty kicks 3-0. Just a shitty way to lose the MLS Cup. You know, TFC lost their first MLS Cup uh, appearance in penalty kicks against Seattle. Back in 2016, by far one of the most boring MLS Cup games I've ever watched. And and, 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 and TFC was part of it, right? Um, but I can honestly say that game was just absolutely just terrible to watch. Uh, but, you know, this past weekend's NF- uh, MLS Cup was just so much fun. Much as it pains me to say this, congrats to LAFC. You know, I, I it's funny because I have friends around the league just because of all the work I've done with the supporter groups and all that fun stuff. And I was getting a few messages from from people in L.A., some of their supporters, uh, their district ultras, as they like to be called. Um, They used to be the supporter group for Chivas USA. Chivas USA went under, kind of transformed itself and rebranded itself into LAFC. Beautiful stadium in L.A., just just a complete change of everything and this team is real but i was getting some messages from some of their supporters kind of laughing at the fact that you know our coach here in toronto uh bob bradley was their coach up until this off season uh they bring in this new guy and get to my cup so congrats to lafc 
the other disappointment in Philadelphia were the Phillies, who were looking to, I don't want to say in control or dominating Houston Astros at any point in the series, but you know they did show up in games one and three, and you thought the series was going to go back and forth to game seven, but that wasn't the case. The Houston Astros woke up, and they got the job done on Saturday, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm just not a fan of Houston for many reasons, not just the cheating, just many reasons. So the only person that I want to congratulate from the Houston organization is Dusty Baker. After all these years, Dusty Baker finally gets his ring. Got to be happy for that man. So that was the week in Philadelphia. So, like I said earlier, at least the Philadelphia have the Eagles to cheer for because, man, to lose not one but two championships on the same day must be really hard to be a sports fan. And we all know how Philadelphia loves their sports. So that must have uh, really, really hurt. So that is essentially all of the sports chat for this week. Let's jump into some entertainment because I really wanted to chat about a show that I watched two episodes of before. And then on uh, Thursday night, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch those episodes. I'm going to power through the series uh, here and there. Uh, I thought it was going to take me a little longer, but that really wasn't the case. Ended up going through this series literally by Friday night. I was done this series, 18 episodes. Um, it's on, it's an FX show. So wherever your FX streams here in Canada, we get this on Disney+. Plus. Not exactly sure where it is on other places, but it's a show. Welcome to Wrexham. Awesome, awesome little show. Uh, really fun show. So this is this is a documentary style. It's um, premiered in August, and it was essentially documents the events of the Welsh Association team, um, Wrexham AFC, uh, who plays in essentially the fourth tier. English competition. I am ever. I think everyone, a lot of people know how the English or the European soccer pyramids work, where you have you know your 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 top league at the top, and then every league below it, and there is you know the relegation uh, and promotion system in place, where your top teams get promoted to the league above you until you reach the Premiership, and then your bottom teams get relegated to the below uh league i love that system but like matt and i have talked about in the past that's a system you're never going to see here in north america just because of you know the whole the franchising right like just to get a franchise in place in a city is just so much uh in a professional in a professional sports league right like if we take a look at the mls itself like the mls franchising fees are just absolutely insane um you know and there's no way, absolutely no freaking way that a team after spending $325 million is going to play in the division below that where their franchising fees are like minimal, right? It's, it's crazy. So back in 2019, the franchising fee in the MLS was $325 million. It, it looks like it's now at $350 million. Toronto FC got their team for under $10 million. Like, let's put that into perspective. Back in 2006, when TFC was announced, it was under $10 million. And that's why MLSC put the money, because they're like, this is chump change to us. And the return on investment there was huge for 
MLSC, as TFC is typically in the top five uh, money-making teams in all of the MLS. Anyways, back to the show. Welcome to Wrexham. So it essentially follows uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob uh, McKenney, uh, uh, their journey into buying the team, going through the ups and downs, learning the real ins and the outs of the British system, trying to get the acceptance of uh, you know, the small little Welsh town, the north of Wales, uh, because, you know, football is really about community. That's the beautiful part about this, right? Like, it is so about community. Like, even here in in um, in Toronto, we have MLS and we have the TFC. You know, they are a huge, 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 huge conglomerate. Uh, and Toronto is a huge city, but, you know, seeing the grassroots level of tfc seeing their how they embed themselves in the soccer community here is amazing uh, so you know in these small little towns in the uk and anywhere in europe and this is just everywhere in the world to be honest it's like you just see how important these teams are to these towns right uh so you know wrexham currently plays in the national league which is the fifth tier of english football below the Premier league so they're not even in the they're in the lowest professional tier that you can have and they're not in the top four flights of the pyramid so everyone says that getting out of the national league is the hardest thing humanly possible because it's the, like the lowest of the low you're you're still a professional but you're not really a professional. In the show, they mention that the average wage is something like, you know, 50,000 pounds or something like that. It's just crazy, right? So it's taking a look at an American and a Canadian, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob uh, McElhenney, uh, of it's always signing in Philadelphia fame uh, as they purchase this team and they go through their ups and the downs. And I got to say, you know, it was crazy, fun. Went through the 18 episodes in two nights and just really enjoyed this uh, this little show. You know, they do a great job of explaining the rules, of explaining the system. They do a great job of explaining the importance of football to these small towns. They do a great job of of just, you know, showing the importance of not only uh, of how the British system and the European system of football works you know how you have the league and then you have all these trophies and all these other leagues and in the 18 episodes they do a fantastic job of just showing you all of this um and and when you really think about it it's just absolutely brilliant what they did by having this show because Wrexham a team that is still currently still playing in the National League uh killing it by the way second place as of right now um you know they must have a huge international fan base which must give them a huge advantage in a sport where there is no salary cap, right? So they can honestly spend whatever they want, almost whatever they want, in improving their team as they go up the pyramid. So it was already announced that this show is getting a second season. So we'll see what ends up happening with this team. But like I mentioned, they currently sit in second place of the National League. Welcome to Wrexham. Fun show. Really good stuff. All right, so that is sports and entertainment. Let's put them together and chat some sports entertainment. Let's chat some wrestling. And like we do each and every week, I think we're going to quickly start with some 
impact. So I got to say, sometimes I struggle with kind of like how to present these uh, results because I hate going blow by blow, especially on BAM. Uh, so I kind of try to give you the overarching story. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys really uh, like. Some of the bigger shows, I you know, some going into a more in-depth result is okay. Um, but overall, I think that uh, kind of giving everyone the... the uh, the gist is good enough. All right, so let's chat some impact uh, from November 3rd. Uh, tensions are rising as we are on the road to overdrive. Uh, Eddie Edwards blames PCO for the demise of Honor No More. Edwards dares PCO to meet him in Las Vegas desert to end things once and for all. We then go to the X Division title tournament first round. Kenny King versus Mike Bailey. This match was a lot of fun, I have to say. Uh, Mike Bailey ends up winning, uh, beating Kenny King. This is for sure a should-watch match. Not a must-watch match, but a should-watch match. Uh, so Bailey was really building momentum, got his uh, all his kicks in, his series of kicks. King then comes back with a Tiger Driver, but this was only good for a two-count. King attempts another Tiger Driver, this time on the ramp, but Bailey counters and hits a top rope moonsault to the floor. Bailey traps King in a pinning predicament. To score the victory. So that gives Mike Bailey the win. After this, the Motor City Machine Guns join a group of people telling Impact World Champion Josh Alexander not to trust Bully Ray. So again, that seems to be the overarching story here is don't trust Bully Ray. Deanna Peraza and Chelsea Green blame Giselle Shaw for their loss to Knockouts World Champion Jordan Grace, Taylor Wilde, and Mickey James in last week's main event. Green's obsession with her tiring James is really going to boil over because she prepares for a singles match with the hardcore country next Thursday. Just remember, Mickey James is in a win or retire situation at this point. Tasha Steeles and Sevena Evans are in the ring. Steele says that last week's beatdown of Rachel Shield was only an appetizer for Evans and lays out an open challenge for someone to be her quote-unquote main course. Knockouts World Tag Team Champion Jessica makes her way to the ring alongside Death Dolls, and that kicked off the match. So Savannah Evans uh, ends up, and Tasha Steeles end up defeating Knockouts World Tag Team Champion Jessica with Death Dolls. Uh, Steeles gets up the on the apron, but Rosemary makes her pay with a spear. Um, in the ring, Evans puts Jessica away with the full Nelson slam. So that was that. Um, an okay match. Not much to really talk about outside of what I just talked about. All right, Killer Kelly is on the prowl for fresh meat, she says. Steve Macklin, who's really been making a, dare I say, impact, continues to do so. Uh, he's sick of everyone jumping him in line for an Impact World title chance, and he's not going to wait any longer. So he really seems to be taking things into his own hands, creating and carving out his own destiny. Um, he... Say his name, and he appears. Joe Hendry confronts the major players and expresses his interest in Brian Myers' digital media title. PCO meets Eddie Edwards in Las Vegas Desert, and the fight is on. Edwards is reeling as PCO gains the upper hands, uh, but a little bit after, Edwards cracks him over the head with a rock, suplexes him onto uh, the, the hard desert terrain. PCO shows signs of life, but Edwards quickly shuts him down with a steel shovel assault. Edwards buries him under a pile of rubble and walks away. 
All right, back in the arena, Taylor Wald wants to be in Mickey James' corner for her match against Chelsea Green next week. Uh, after all, Deanna Perazzo will be in Green's corner, and we know what she's capable of. James thanks her for the offer but says she needs to do this on her own. Wild respects her decision and hopes to see her on the other side. This leads us into the next match. Eric Young with Dean versus Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan won this match. So Callahan avoided a top rope moonsault when Violent by Design's hooded followers storm the ring and attack him. Um, so this was a DQ win by Sammy Callahan. After the match, Diener instructs two of his followers to remove their hoods and reveal their identities. It's Alan Angels and Big Con of the Ascension fame. There we go. Two of his students have finally been released. Alan Angels finds a new stable. I love seeing the social media reaction, especially from members of the Dark Order. Uh, really funny stuff uh, there on social media. So a new era of violence has begun as the group stands tall over a laid-out Callahan. So the locker room full of knockouts world, uh, the locker room of knockouts world champion Jordan Grace is littered with photos of Giselle Shaw holding the knockouts world title last week. Shaw's executive stylist and content creator, uh, Jai Vidal, is here to capture the moment. Grace hurls Vidal on the couch and tells him to deliver a message to Shaw. If she wants to take the Knockouts World title, she can try next week. This leads us into Moose versus Ace Austin with Chris Bay. Ace Austin ends up winning this match. So there is a distra uh, distraction happening. Uh, Bully Ray comes down to ringside to confront Moose for accusing him of attacking Austin. Uh, this distraction causes Moose to miss his spear attempt, allowing Austin to roll him up for the three count. Uh, so this continues the Moose-Bully Ray storyline. The Bully Ray versus Chris Bay and Ace Austin storyline. And the Bully Ray, should we trust Bully Ray storyline. So really a lot of stories intertwined in this match uh, moving forward. But again, you know, is the right decision to keep Bully Ray so featured on Impact? I don't know. I honestly think that Impact was doing just fine with the new crop of talent that they were featuring. Um, but, you know, maybe there are some people interested in this. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. All right. So uh, this leads us into the main event, which was Impact World Champion Josh Alexander and Frankie Kazarian versus Aussie Opens, Mark Davies, and Kyle Fletcher. Another must-watch match. Josh Alexander and Frankie Kazarian get the win over Aussie Open. Uh, so uh, Aussie Open connects with a devastating double-team offense on Alexander, uh, but Kazarian breaks up the pin. Kazarian then hits a springboard leg drop on Fletcher. Alexander locks in uh, the ankle lock on Fletcher. Uh, at the same time, Kazarian traps Davies in a submission of his own. Fletcher rolls through and sends Alexander crashing into his own partner. Alexander then suplexes Fletcher over the top rope as they both topple to the floor. Really nasty-looking suplex, um, but kind of cool visual, but it could not have been safe and could, must have hurt. So back in the ring, Kazarian connects with the slingshot cutter on Davies to get the win. After the match, though, Kazarian grabs the Impact World title and hands it to Alexander. Uh, but, you know, he obviously has like that, that, that look in his eye that this is his next step. So we'll see. That was Impact. Again, 
you know, furthering the storylines as we head into Overdrive in a couple weeks. Um, too much Bully Ray for for my liking. Uh, you know, Josh Alexander right now doesn't seem to be the full feature of Impact, which is kind of a shame. Uh, but you know, hopefully we can get the Bully Ray Josh Alexander uh, story right after Overdrive, because well, Josh Alexander's champ. He should be the featured person each and every single week here on impact so that's that all right let's move on let us go chronologically let's chat some stardom all right so i watched this show sunday night monday morning pretty fun show overall a little on the long side and like stardom you know a stardom is a lot like a triple a cmll show where the good is good the bad is still good but sometimes you see some of the cheesiest stuff humanly possible on these shows. Uh, so I'm going to be chatting Stardom Hiro, Hiro, Hiroshima Goddess Festival from November 3rd. And overall, it was a pretty entertaining show. All right, so show started off with a five-way battle. AZM defeated Miyu Amasaki, Saya Lita, Wakatsukiyama, and Lady C. AZM ends up winning this match with a leg roll clutch. Overall, this was a pretty fun match. Uh, it wasn't the best, but it, it was entertaining enough, right? All right, the next was a tag match. It was uh, Fukuoka, Double Crazy, which is Hazuki and Koguma. Um, they ended up facing Oidotai, Saki Kashima, and uh, Rauka. This match went about 6 minutes 50 seconds. Uh, Koguma pinned Kashima with a bridging roll up. Very beautiful roll up. Um, they, they they were going back and forth with a bunch of uh, pin attempts and combos. Uh, and Koguma just did this bridging roll up. And there was nothing that Kashima could do to get out of this. Uh, so that was a lot of uh, fun. Overall, the match was hit and miss, but great ending. Uh, we got a special singles match with uh, Himeka versus Yuna Mizumori. This match ended with a running power bomb. Uh, this was all right. This was sure. This was a match. Went about seven minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, Himeka ends up winning with a running power bomb. This was uh, pretty good. All right. The next match was a revenge match. Utami Hayashishida versus Natsuko Tora. Uh, this match went just under 13 minutes. This match was a lot of fun, I honestly have to say. Uh, this was really good, really well done. Uh, really enjoyed this match. This match, I honestly thought was going to go to a time limit draw, uh, but uh, Natsuko had a lot of help uh, from ruaka and saki kashima throughout the match so i'm you know it kind of makes sense that it didn't go to that time limit draw uh, but uh utami hayashishida defeated natsuko with a hijack bomb pretty good stuff there all right the next match was for the swa world championship the your champion mayu iwatani defeated jazzy alpha female gaybert this match was a little messy Went about 11 minutes. Now, uh, this match was weird. Just because, you know, Mayu Iwatani isn't the, you know, isn't the tallest of girls, is the biggest of girls. Uh, you know, very 
stereotypical Joshi uh, body type, then you have Jazzy Gabbard. And if you remember Jazzy Gabbard here in NXT stateside, she was a part of the Mae Young Classic uh, and part of NXT for a cup of coffee. Um, so, and, and she is a strong, muscular presence. She's known as the alpha female for a reason. Uh, so Mayu Iwatani ends up winning this match. That's great. She ends up winning with a moonsault press. And the moonsault just, did, just didn't look like something that could actually put the alpha female away. So while the match was fun, the ending left a little bit to be desired. Uh, so after the match, Iwatani goes on the mic. And she, this is what she said. In order to best focus my energy and effort on the IWGP Women's Championship, allow me to vacate the SWA World Championship. I know it may be selfish, but please understand and support this decision. So uh, Mayu Iwatani putting all her eggs in the IWGP basket. Just remember, she is facing Kyrie at the November 20th, main eventing the November 20th, New Japan Pro Wrestling Stardom historic crossover show. Really looking forward to that. The next match was my match of the night, and that was for the Goddesses of Stardom Tag Team Championship. As we had uh, Meltier, Tom Nakano, and Natsupoi versus Black Desire, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. So much fun. This match was honestly a lot of fun. Um, you know. But Meltier Meltier ended up going over. Uh, Natsupoi pinned Starlight Kid with a fairy strain. Uh, it was a very cool ending because we saw uh, Meltier kind of do their finisher, and then there was a beautiful bridge spin known as the fairy strain, uh, which gave the goddess uh, Meltier, Tamnakano, and Natsupoi uh, the um, the win. So that was that. Good stuff there. All right. The next match was for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Saya Kamitami versus Mina uh, Shirakawa. This match went 20 minutes, 35 seconds. This match was good. It was a, super entertaining, but but the ending was very, very nonsensical. So what ended up happening was uh, Saya Kamitani does two Phoenix Splashes. Both of them looked dangerous as fuck. It was insane how dangerous both of them looked. The first one looked like she didn't really land it. And the second one, um, Shirakawa just just got drilled in the face after the match. So that's how uh, Saya Kamitani retained. Now, after the match, uh, you know, they kind of go and check on each other. Uh, and... Um, yeah, it was just it's just a very strange thing just because like Mina Shirakawa, you can tell that she was just bleeding from the mouth. So everyone was checking up on her. Uh, and it was just like one of those things where it's just like, oh, man, like, you got to be careful. All right. Here's the interesting part, though. After the match, uh, Kamitani challenges Kyrie, Kyrie to be her next challenger, which is very interesting just because in two weeks time. 13 days, Kyrie is uh, going to face Mayu Iwatani for the IWGP Women's Championship. So, are we going to get two belts, Kyrie? Is Kyrie going to lose? There's still a lot of debate over who can or should win between Iwatani and Kyrie. I'll talk briefly about that in a little bit as I kind of give you my initial thoughts on the uh, crossover card. 
this leads us to the main event, which was for the World of Stardom title match. You had your champion, your reigning, defending for over a year champion, Siri, going up against Micah. This match was awesome. 26 minutes. Really good storytelling. Uh, Micah, Micah putting everything she's got, every move, but she just couldn't put Siuri away. Such a good match. Micah's storytelling in this match is great. You know, she continues to really push the fact that she's on par uh, with Utan, Utami and Julia, right? Like, this this is really good. And the past few months, uh, Micah's has been so awesome. Her Michinoku driver is just absolutely amazing. And Siri, what can we say about Siri? Like, she is so freaking good, right? She Right now, the major story with her is that she has this Kill Bill-esque list of, of, of debts, to repay uh micah was the first one on this uh list you know so right now uh you know we'll see exactly where this is going we know that julia is coming up at some point uh you know right now we have the goddess tag league coming up we'll see exactly what's coming over siri is going to be in the x over uh, match uh with uh and it's a huge match for her uh, so if we take a look at the actual calendar, uh, we have the Stardom Gold Rush, which is happening in Osaka on November 19th. Right now, the entire tag league is going on. We have the Stardom X New Japan Pro Wrestling, the crossover event on the November 20th. Stardom in Showcase 3 on November 26th. We have the Goddess Tag League Finals on December the 4th. And then we have Stardom Dream Queendom. On the 29th. If we take a look at the big match calendar for 2023, we have Stardom Triangle Derby on January 3rd, 2023. This is a trios tournament uh, from the Budokan. Uh, we have Wrestle Kingdom 17, where the IWGP Women's Champion is going to have her first defense and then uh, continuing with the Triangle Derby. So th that's what we have coming up in Stardom. So before we get to the crossover card, let us go. Chat some New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Battle Autumn 22. Like I said, I watched this match or this show live. So let's run through the card. The show started off with the junior heavyweight tag team title match. United Empires, Francisco Akira, and TJP, your champions, versus Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, this match was a lot of fun. This match was, uh, we had El Desperado and Titan going at it and teaming up. There were some, uh, or sorry, uh, Bushi and Titan. So there was some interesting parts in this match, like a little sloppiness from Los Ingobernables. This is the first time they're teaming. That's fine. But this match was overall a very fun way to get the show started. United Empire looked great. Uh, they ended up winning. This match was a lot of fun. Uh, so T-Tent avoided a lariat with a matrix dodge, but he was caught and hit with a double stomp. Uh, then the leaning tower on Bushi connects to get the win. This match was good. All right, the next match was probably one of the few um, missable, skippable matches of the show, and it was an eight-man tag match. We had United Empires, Mark Davies, Carl Fletcher, Aaron Hanari and Gideon Gray for some reason. And they faced off against Hiroshi Tanahashi, David Finley, 
Alex Zane, and everyone's favorite, especially the mouths, Toro Yano. Not much to really say about this match. It was what it was, right? It was, you had your typical Yano stuff. Tanahashi and Yano get sandwiched in the center of the ring. Fletcher dropkicks Finley off the apron. Davies with a running form smash to Zane. Ozzy open with the three combo lariats. Then they connect uh, with the Coriolis to pick up the win. Uh, so Ozzy open, Aaron Hanari, and Gideon Gray end up winning this match. Sure, why not? All right. The next match was Hikuleo with Jado versus Yujiro Takahashi with Sho and Peter. So this match was the you know a special singles match. The story here that they're really going for is that Hikuleo is begging New Japan not to strip Carl Anderson of the never open weight title. We all know the controversy that's going up, that's going on. Carl Anderson is your open, never open weight champion. He was not under contract, said he was going to work these dates, ends up signing with WWE, picks Saudi Arabia and Crown Jewel over this New Japan show. New Japan and Carl Anderson were going back and forth. Hikuleo demands New Japan and begging New Japan not to strip Carl Anderson because he wants Carl Anderson. I'm guessing that this is all going to lead up to Wrestle Kingdom in January where uh, Hikuleo is just going to lay waste to Carl Anderson because that's what happened in this match. 28 seconds. Hikaleo gets a choke slam win over Takahashi. The next match was a semifinal match in the inaugural NJPW World Television Championship Tournament. We had Sonata versus everyone's favorite Ren Nareda. This match was awesome. Honestly, so good. Sonata is, is improving so much. And Ren Nareda, what honestly can we say about him? His match with Ishii from a few weeks ago in this tournament was one of the best matches that I've seen in a long time. And I got to say, I was skeptical of this of this title, of this tournament, of the, the layout of these matches. As long as a match doesn't go to a coin toss, because that's what happens uh, you know, after the 15 minutes are up, they go to a coin toss. As long as the matches don't reach that point, I think we're in for a very, very, very fun title. So, this match was a lot of fun, right? Uh, Ren Narita is is looking so good. Uh, Sonata does a rolling elbow, uh, but then Narita connects with the Narita special number four, gets the win. Very good match. Ren Narita heading to Wrestle Kingdom, but who is he going to face? Well, the fifth match of the show will determine that because we had Evil with Dick Togo versus Zack Sabre Jr. in a semifinal match of the TV Championship Tournament. This match, man, Zack Sabre Jr. deserved better here in this card. You had Evil doing typical Bullet Club, Tower of Terror bullshit, you know, typical Evil stuff. You know, Sabre negates everything is evil, and he connects with the Grounding Cobra twist to get the win Zack Sabre Jr. is heading to Wrestle Kingdom to face Ren Narita for the New Japan Pro Wrestling TV title I'm really looking forward to that match I think that match is going to be absolutely amazing the next match was a very fun match so these next four guys are going to actually be facing each other for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship and this match was they did a random draw to see whom tags with whom. And 
you know, it was a can they coexist type of story, but it was honestly a lot of fun. At first, I was like, okay, can they coexist? We've seen this a million and one times, but this match was really good. It was Hiromu Takahashi and Taiji Ishimori versus El Desperado and Master Wato. It was exactly what you would, you would think would happen in this match, right? Both teams started off okay, then completely uh, degraded in the middle, fell apart. Everyone was fighting everyone. You know, there were times where we saw a lot of blind tags. We saw a lot of frustration. We even saw uh, Ishimori jumping off the apron right before Takahashi went for a pin. Uh, we saw dives uh, and, and tope con heroes. We saw tope suicidas. We saw everything from all four of these guys. So, you know, at times they were all fighting each other. But at the end of the day, uh, Takahashi goes for a time bomb. But Ishimori counters with a jumping knee strike. On his own partner, and this allows Wato to roll Takashi over for the pinfall victory. So your winners of this match were El Desperado and Master Wato. Another, you know, I'm really this match. I think is going to be really good at Wrestle Kingdom. Like Wrestle Kingdom tends to have different matches sometimes, right? Like, and 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 these triple threats, four ways aren't a typical thing per se in New Japan. But I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, all four guys are great so that's a uh, something to look forward to all right the seventh match was a very interesting match tons of story going on here you had okada teaming up with tamatonga versus jay white and kenta kenta hates everyone kenta wants you know he hates everything that's not bullet club i'm pretty sure he even hates most of the bullet club members we had jay white your reigning defending iwgp heavyweight champion Going up against his last two wins in Okada and Tamatonga. Tamatonga is really making a name for himself in the singles division. And Okada is Okada. He is gearing up and prepping to face Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom. Honestly, Jay White. Such a good heel. The amount of shit that he talks before the match even starts. The amount of heat that he gets before the match even starts is just absolutely masterclass. Watch a Jay White match, especially right now that the crowds can't really make too much noise. This match was a lot of fun. Also remember, Jay White uh, went over on Okada in a tag team match. Jay White ended up pinning, I want to say, uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, so he was able to get the win over Okada. Uh, you know, I believe Jay White has three or four wins over Okada's one win. So that seems to be an overarching story as well. It's like Okada cannot beat Jay White. So Kenta moved out of the gun stun. Kenta then goes for the GTS, but Tonga lands back on his feet. Kenta with all these palm strikes, but Tonga connects with the gun stun to, for the win. So Okada and Jay White didn't factor into the outcome of this match, which was great. Because at the end of the day, this does give Okada a slight edge to Jay White. Doesn't give him that victory that he needs. Or that one-on-one -on -one victory that he needs, but there is some momentum on Okada going into Wrestle Kingdom. So really looking forward to where that match is going to end up going. The next match was fantastic, and my match of the night, and that was for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships as FDR went up against Aussie Opens, Jeff Cobb, and the great Ocon with Gideon Gray. Again, this match was just awesome. FTR continues to prove and make a case for being tag team of the year and honestly how can you not listen to those cases how can you not honestly put them on your ballot for tag team of the year um 
Khan connects with the TT DDT for a two count. Wheeler denies the eliminator. Harwood then makes the blind tag. Khan whips Wheeler across the ring. Wheeler slides under Khan's legs. FTR plants Khan with the big rig to pick up the win. Great match. Still IWGP champions. And earlier in the night, after Aussie Open's win, Aussie Open essentially called out FTR, saying that they're interested, like they're looking, they're watching this match to see if FTR wins, but they call out FTR. So I think that the World Tag League, uh, what's, that's just about to start, is going to somehow feature Aussie Open or FTR winning. I'm going to assume Aussie Open is going to win the World Tag League, setting up the match at Wrestle Kingdom, FTR, Aussie Open 2. Oh, so excited for that. So freaking excited for this. Then the main event, Will Ospreay, your IWGP US champion, putting it up against Tetsuya Naito. The main story here in this match is that Tetsuya Naito is not the main guy anymore. Will Ospreay claims that he is the main guy, the main star right now. Tetsuya Naito has no big match set for Wrestle Kingdom. So this was kind of his last-ditch effort. If you remember the whole storyline with Seth Rollins this year, it's kind of like that, except less annoying. But Tetsuya Naito right now, you know, he held the fort, for lack of a better term, during the beginning parts of the pandemic. Your first IC, IWGP heavyweight champion, the double champion there, you know, and and, and right now, going into 2023, he does not have a major feature attraction match going into Wrestle Kingdom. So winning the U.S. championship was kind of like his last-ditch effort for that. Amazing match. This was a very slow, uh, methodical match. Very well thought of. Very heavy on the storytelling. Um, you know, I, some would say your typical New Japan main event, where it was long and drawn out. This match ended up going about half an hour. Very good, good stuff. We had the end, the last five minutes, the match just picked up. Went from a zero to a 60 in no time. All right, so Naito hits the Esperanza, which looked awesome. I love that move. Osprey blocks the Destino. Osprey super kicks Naito. Then Naito gets up quickly, connects with a Destino for a damn close two count. Osprey then negates a third Destino. He goes for the Stormbreaker, but Naito counters with a Destino uh, for a two count. Back and forth counters, all the counters, typical New Japan end of match here. Osprey with a pop up forearm smash, and then he delivers not one, but two hidden blades for a two count. Then he plants Naito with a Stormbreaker for the win. So, awesome ending. All the combos, all the back and forth. But again, protect your finishers. If you land a Destino, you should get the win. If you land a Hidden Blade, you should get the win. But they're going for two, three, four of these finishers only for two counts. Kind of, I'm torn on it, to be honest. Like, I don't like that too much. I get it. It makes for very cool, suspenseful TV. But it really uh, makes those moves look weak. Again, let me know what you guys think. But I'm, I don't, I don't like these endings to the match. Like again, it was entertaining from an entertainment point of view, but from a storyline 
thinking things logic point of view was kind of like, but I guess I was entertained. So that's all that really matters. Right. Anyways, still IWGP US champion Will Ospreay. So that is it. That was Naito's last ditch effort to get into Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, So this kind of leads us into the post-match stuff. And I know a lot of people were expecting or assuming that Kenny Omega would show up because that seems to be the overarching rumor that Kenny Omega is going to be challenging Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom for the U.S. Championship. I still think that's going to happen. But in the meantime, Osprey needs to defend his belt. So no one knew whom or where or when this match was going to happen. So after the match, Osprey calls for an open challenge at the New Japan Stardom X Over show. He says he's willing to defend against anyone. He says no one would answer right away, and the challenge remained open. He even said the door, the forbidden door, remains open. All of a sudden, the lights go out, and a song's going to hit, and it's the roughneck. Shota Umino is here, and he's back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's back from his excursion, and he is the one who challenges Will Ospreay. uh, He goes into the ring, kind of starts uh, chatting a little bit, Punches Will Ospreay, uh, clears the ring of United Empire, kind of gets the uh, the final bow bow at the end of the show there. So that's that, right? Like so, that leads us into the next show, which is the New Japan Pro Wrestling X Stardom Historic X Over Show. Next week on the show, Matt and I are going to run through the entire card, giving you our predictions. Uh, so right now, I'm just gonna kind of run through the card as it stands it has been finalized has been announced so let's go through this on the kickoff we have oscar uh, leo kose fujita uh, ryohi oiwa and yuta nakashima versus clark connors alex coughlin kevin knight and gabriel kid we're also getting a stardom rambo all right we have chaos's tomohiro ishii Yoshihashi, Yo, and Leo Rush versus House of Tortures, Evil, Yujiro Takahashi, Sho, and Dick Togo. That'll be a good match. The Queen's Cast, Lady C, AZM, and Saya uh, Kamitanya uh, versus Donna Del Mondo, Mei Sakurai, uh, Tekla, and Himika. The next match is my match, That like the match that I'm really looking forward to. That's Tom Lawler and Siuri versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Julia. You know that's going to be a damn good match. The next match is uh, Natsupoi, Tam Nakano, uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Taichi versus El Desperado, Duki, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. This is going to be a really good match. All right, then we have Hiroshi Tanahashi and Utami Hayashishida versus Hiroki Goto and Maika. We have Shingo Tatakaki, Tetsuya Naito, Hiromu Takahashi, Sanada, and Bushi versus Aussie Open, TJP, Francisco Akira, and Gideon Gray. So Gideon Gray still getting ring time for some god unforeknown reason. I ah, can't stand it. This match, 
the great Muta is back in New Japan, and he's going to be teaming up with Toriano and Okada versus Great Okan, Aaron Hanari, and Jeff Cobb in the Great Muta's final New Japan Pro Wrestling match. If you remember, Great Muta spat mist in the face of Great Okan, and Great Okan did a fantastic job of selling this through shows. Um, but this is going to be a nice special occasion as this is the Great Muta's final New Japan Pro Wrestling match. We then have the match that I just talked about for the IWGP United States Championship. Will Ospreay defending the belt against Shota Umino, the roughneck himself. And then the main event is for the IWGP Women's Championship. And we have Kyrie versus Mayu Iwatani. All right, so that is the card. So, you know, Jay White's not on this card. The unfortunate part here is that New Japan Pro Wrestling is running a U.S. a U.S. A stateside show the same day as this card. Right away, that, to me, that sent a red flag that, all right, there's going to be a split uh, staff, a split roster for this. Looking at the card, you know, we have Will Ospreay. We have uh, Okada. We have Naito. You know, we have a lot of the big names, Zack Sabre Jr. We have a lot of the big names from New Japan Pro Wrestling. All the stardom style stars are going to be there. Starlight Kid, Julia, Mayu Iwatani. Uh, you know, like they, they, there's some really good stuff happening here. Really, really good card. My one thing is, no Jay White. A couple other people I wish were going to be on this card. And the question to like that that, that, that leaves me wondering... Is this, is this card worth an extra fee on the top of the New Japan fee to watch? This is a pay-per-view. This is not included in New Japan World, NJPW World. This uh, this is a pay-per-view, so you have to pay extra to watch a show. Is this worth it? Yes. Yes, it is. I was tossing and turning on this one. Looked at the card again this morning before I started uh, recording, and I honestly have to say that this card is 100% worth the extra fee. It is a historic show. New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom, you know, from the Stardom side, you got everyone. You got Siori. You got Julia. You got Starlight Kid. You got, you know, the who's who of the Stardom. On the New Japan side, you got the who's who on the Japanese side of the New Japan side. I'm happy with this. So, you know what? Yeah. Sucks that you have to pay extra, but that's content these days, right? Like, we, we, you win some, you lose some. What can you do? So that is pretty much it. That, that And again, next week, Matt and I are going to run through the card again. We'll give you our predictions. We'll go a little more in depth on kind of the stories and uh, some of that stuff because there are some very interesting matches in this, especially if you take a look at, uh, you know, Siuri and Julia being in the same match. You know, you have the Mayu Iwatani and Kairi. Mayu Iwatani literally just dropping her belt, Kairi going after a belt, but you also have Kairi being called out. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, a lot of storylines going on. So next week on BAM, Matt and I are going to for sure go through the entire show, uh, give you our predictions, and kind of give you updated what's what of stardom and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that is the show for today. Again, these solo shows are, I don't know what people really think of these. I hope you guys like these. I really do. 
but you know the it, this this show just kind of suddenly happened because of the unfortunate news in Matt's family. Again, Matt, hope you're doing well. Take this week, get your you know get your head on right. Hopefully everything is well, and you know we'll be chatting through the week. Everyone listening, thank you for listening to Bam Weekly, the show where we chat about some sports. The show where we chat some entertainment, and then we bring it all together to chat some sports entertainment. If you're coming from the SNME feed, just remember that we will be having an after party right after AEW Full Gear and WWE Survivor Series. So two weekends, two after parties in just 13 days. That's going to be a ton of fun. Matt and I are still thinking about doing an aftercast for this New Japan stardom show. We'll let you know next week if that's going to go down. For those of you listening on the BAM feed and you like this content and you want to hear more shows like this except talking about Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Rampage, etc. Hey, there's even NXT talk. Think about joining our Patreon. Patreon.com slash SNME Radio for just $5 a month. You get it all. Plus, you got the Sunday show a little early and extended. So again, thank you for listening. I am Boris, and remember to stay tranquilo.